Money FM 89.3. Best of the evening runway. Culture Club. Money FM 89.3. Good afternoon. It is the evening runway. I'm Elliot Danker. It's time now for Culture Club. You know, Singapore is one of the most important markets for the Swiss watch industry. In fact, uh, we're the sixth biggest export market. Singapore is also home to some of the most influential retailers and collectors the world over. And with us being a regional lighthouse for the luxury watch market, it makes sense that creative entrepreneurs who make it their business to cater to watch lovers can be found here. And what better way to make a style statement than bespoke straps for luxury watches. Well, today I'm speaking with Hughes Lowe, who runs uh, Hughes Handcrafter, which is a leather craft company known for making bespoke watch straps. Uh, Hughes, how are you? Welcome to the studio. Good, good. Thanks for having me. Uh, very interesting. So um, you are a specialist in exotic skin watch straps and accessories. Tell us yeah. a little bit about this trade. Okay, so uh, we are very fortunate that we have uh, a tannery in Singapore called okay. Long. They're one of the biggest, top five actually, yeah. recently um, acquired by LVMH. So we have access to these skins, which mm. on a normal day-to-day, it's a little bit hard to ship them in because of CITES regulations. Okay. But because we are local, we don't we, we can sidestep the whole CITES thing. And it's much easier for us to have access to all these nice skins. Mm. And we can just use them for our straps and all the offerings that we are using. Oh, that's very interesting. I guess to to try and understand your personality a little bit better, what <laughs> what drew you to leather? What is it about leather? Okay, so I've always loved working with my hands. Mm. So I was thinking, you know, after uni, should I be a woodworker? Should I be a chef? Should I be a bladesmith? Uh, but the barriers of entry for all the other trades are so high. Okay. And um, leather craft is something that I've been pursuing as a hobby right. for the longest time, about four or five years before graduating. Right. And it's just a natural progression because, you know, we have to make ends meet in Singapore. Okay, so wait a minute. You you, you did the whole Singaporean typical thing where you get the university education, but you always knew that you wanted to be a craftsman in that sense. That's right, that's right. How do your parents take it? Um, Not very happy. Not very happy. They put me through school and then, you know, they are like, okay, you you go through school, you have to finish school. I'm the last one. Of course. Oh, you're the youngest child. Yeah, I'm the youngest child. I'm the last one. And, you know, in Singapore, it's competitive. You know, if you're a craftsman, you might not make it. So get a degree and then, you know, just go to a nine to five. Yeah. but the funny thing is they didn't go to any 9 to 5 themselves. They are all business owners. So, yeah. <laughs> I guess that's where the gene comes from. Yeah. All right. So tell me a bit about your clientele. Um, where do they come from mainly? Um, all over the world. But oh. um, Singapore per capita, I think that's the highest level of watch collectors. Mm. Everyone wants a watch. Everyone wants yeah. a nice watch. Yeah. And when you have a nice watch, you want a nice strap. So yeah. it's the whole ecosystem here. And what do you notice, before I get into the fine details, what do you notice about the watch owners in Singapore is it is it and, and those that would come for nice straps is it mostly male female or about equal mostly male it's a male dominated okay. industry okay. so female watches not not as much not, right. not not as much demand right so male watches definitely um, male clientele as well right typically a little bit older but recently um, they're moving to younger younger crowd yeah maybe because of social media and you know they want something that's a statement piece okay something to aspire to and we're talking about straps here yeah so, so I mean I, and I'm curious where this strap thing is concerned statement piece like what's the most outrageous you've, you've customized or, de- or designed wow. so this client he wanted something that's very exclusive okay. so we had to order one skin from the tannery right. a specific colour specific finish just for him and then he's willing to pay all the extras he's willing to pay for R&D for the tannery and everything to come out with oh. one skin and to just make one strap and he kept the rest of the skin 
Yeah. As a receipt. (laughs) And, you know, because you have the common watches. Like if you go to any of these shopping malls, you go to this typical shop, you ask them to change the strap, they can do it. But there are some watches that, uh, especially the Swiss ones, that are a little bit more complicated, maybe the angle. And you have the expertise to do this, to to fix, to change the strap or customize the strap. Yeah, so some brands, they're more receptive to secondhand um, market straps. uh, uh, Makers like us, for example, MBNF, they are willing to send send me the inserts they're willing to send me the um, schematics of their strap. Okay. Uh, they are very open and okay. they are very supportive of my trade. Some some brands, they are not so open. So we have to source for old straps to harvest the inserts from those straps to make the new ones. You've got a reverse engineer. Yeah, that that's right. That's Because right. I have a piece I need your help with. Okay. So I, I think they've closed down in Singapore. And, uh, oh, no. None of, nobody can help me change the strap. Okay. Yeah, never mind. Hughes Lowe will help me. We'll talk later. But what's the most expensive watch then that you've you've had to customize and the most expensive watch i think was an auction piece i oh. think maybe like three or four million maybe upwards and, of and what did they want to do with that just a normal strap you'll be surprised because when people buy pieces like that they don't want um strap to get to get too much attention too much. Yeah, yeah, yeah so yeah, they just yeah, want yeah. a black strap right very well made you know the best cut of the skin that's it Okay, let's talk a little bit about what you bring to the market. I mean, like I mentioned earlier on, some people, they just go to these shopping centers, change the strap, right? In your opinion, what do you feel makes your product unique? Okay, I think it's that connection to my clients (laughs) because... um, when you come to my workshop, it's me. You see the people making the straps. You see me making the straps. You see right. our team, you know, crafting and they're just there. We are not outsourcing things to other, other companies, like other to countries. A tailor, yeah? That's right. So right. it's very personal. They have yep. an idea. They have a dream. They have uh, something that they want to materialize. Right. And we are there to help them. How many of you? Three of us. Oh, that's nice. Nice intimate setting. Okay, so you've mentioned where you source your leather, the kind of skins. You know, these skins and and the price point, I I suppose one way to to sort of bracket them is to say it's exotic skins. Mm -hmm. Is it harder to work with them? They They are mostly the same. Right, they're mostly the same. the The hardest to work with would be ostrich because the back feels like paper. Ostrich, so, yeah, ostrich. Wow. Yeah, it feels like paper. So we do, we don't really like working with that. Yeah. Uh, besides that, all the skins are the same. Something thicker, yeah. a bit more durable, right? Yeah. Wow, interesting. If I were to ask what's trendy now, am I guessing simple design is trendy or yeah, moving towards yeah. Uh, basic like designs, sim- like minimalist sim- type that's thing. Right, right, that's right. Okay. That's right. That's right. <laughs> I, I, you mentioned ostrich skin. It's I think I'm just trying to get into the mind of a craftsman, right? Mm-hmm. Is, is there any material that you wish you could have a chance to work with? Looking for that opportunity. Okay, so the one material that I want to work with it's actually called mycelium leather. It's mushroom leather. Mushroom leather. Yeah. So a lot of vegan leather on the market is actually ninety percent plastic and ten yeah. percent organic material. Yeah. But this mycelium leather is hundred percent mushroom leather. Oh. So they have this network of mushroom roots or whatever mycelium cells there are. Okay. And then they harvest them and then they make them to leather. So now it's very hard to get by, get this material. So MS uses them, but I have had no chance of getting them. I've been to trade shows asking for suppliers, but can't wow. find them yet. So hopefully they'll keep the market and then I can try them. This is, might be a sensitive question, uh, Hiss, but what are your thoughts on the whole idea of sustainability, especially when it comes to these leather goods? I spoke to a, a handbag maker mm-hmm, last week mm-hmm. and uh, he's exploring, he goes to the same tannery, by the way, he's exploring sort of like a lab-grown leather. Uh, what are you looking at at your end? Are you, are you big enough to, to, to go toward that market? Not, not really. And yeah. the thing is, when it comes to lab grown, you never know what material or what things they put into the leather. Sure. So for us, um, sustainability is actually using the whole animal. 
nothing goes to waste. Right. We are we are not taking the animals more than the natural replacement rate. Sure. So example like Louisiana, if we don't protect the alligator species, they will be extinct by yeah. over over harvesting. So right. every year there's a hard cap on how many you can harvest from the wild right. and how many you can farm and, and take. So playing by the rules. Yeah, that that's sense. right. That's right. Okay, so now time for the customer question. So say I come to you. What is this whole process like? Say okay, so I I I do want I want to see you about that particular watch. I want to change the strap. Okay. It's uh you know it's wear and tear. It's already coming out. Mm-hmm. What's the process like? Okay, so you come to the workshop. Yeah. Um, we look at the watch. We take yeah. the dimensions, and then you can see all the skins that are available. You can pick the colors. You can pick the materials. You can size it to your liking to okay. fit your wrist, okay. and you can do all the different stitching color, the lining color. You can choose the thickness of the padding, how many holes to punch. Basically, anything that you think of um, for a strap, you can you can customize it. Wow! There because all we right. don't have a fixed mold. Everything is custom made upon order. Right. Yeah. And what is the timeline like? Uh, lead time is a little bit long, yeah. uh, about four to six weeks. Okay. Well, yeah. I mean, if it's a precious watch, it's worth it, that's right? right? Four that's to six right, weeks. Okay. Right. Cost a range? Range, um, so alligator straps, they're about 420 to about 600, depends okay. on complexity. Okay. Calf skin straps, about 320 onwards. Oh, but right. I'll do a better price for you, of oh, course. Oh, gosh. Okay. Well, <laughs> don't tell anyone. Eh? Yeah. Now, have you ever had a case where someone comes with you with a radical idea and you've had to reject it? Have you ever encountered that? Not, not really. I think oh. because you know most of my clients are referrals, right? So I think the bird of the feather flocks together, right. and then they see on Instagram, you know, my style is a little bit more conservative, more traditional, right? So it's the same clientele base that that I track. So nothing too ostentatious, nothing too loud, nothing yeah. too over the top. That's a good thing as well. Yeah. If you've never had to reject, that yeah. means you're easy to do business with. It yeah. goes a long way, right? Yeah. Uh, I'm speaking with Hughes Lowe, who's the founder of Hughes Handcrafted. Let's talk a little bit about the challenges of being the, in this niche industry. Any comments, any thoughts on how there's a popularity of interchangeable straps? I mean, I'm wearing a brand that has that. What mm-hmm. are your thoughts on that? I think it's good. I think it's oh, good. Yeah? It fits um, different lifestyles. You know, you, you, you can just change to a rubber strap when you feel like it. You can yeah. change to a leather strap when you want something more formal. Right. I think, I think it helps to spur demand for watches actually. Right. Yeah, so when it's fun to have different combinations, different yeah. wearing occasions, yeah. you want to get more watches. Get yeah, more people strips. like that as well. Yeah. Or at least there is a group of people that likes that. Yeah. But you know, it's a niche within the niche in the sense, right? Uh, being the straps industry, within luxury watches, what kind mm-hmm. of challenges do you face? I think to cut through the marketing, um, yeah, yes, I yeah, would so imagine that. Yeah. I have clients coming to me, they say, oh, I want machine stitching because machine stitching is uh, nicer, it's straighter. <laughs> then I have to explain to them, you know, hand stitching is actually stronger. Yeah. Um, you know, we use better thread, it's a different stitching ma- method, you know, yeah. we have to educate them and hopefully steer them towards something that's better. Yeah. yeah. What's the competition like? I mean, there, there has been quite a, there have been quite a few leather crafters in Singapore. Yeah. Has that impacted your business? Yeah. We all have our own customers. I think okay. it's, it's good to have an ecosystem. I'm friends with a lot of them as well. Most of them are not doing it full-time. So hopefully, you know, it's, it's sustainable because so many watch collectors in Singapore, they all mm. need straps and mm. my production is so small. Yeah, so there's always that market for each and every one of us. Right, right. Is that a niche within a niche? Like I mentioned, yeah, like you've got the man bags. I know I, yeah. I spoke to a guy last week about that. Quite interesting. A lot of your customers, I would assume, watch enthusiasts. Yeah. Are you a watch collector? 
I have a very small collection. Okay. I love watches, but the prices are prohibitive. Yeah, right, right. And and allocation now is so hard to get. So yeah. you can you it's not like last time where you can walk into a boutique and you I want this, I right. want this, and then you can get it. Yeah. Now you want this, um, you know, they have to you wait. Gotta wait you know, like, yeah, yeah. Like the most to, famous brand Rolex, there's a there's a long waiting time. Yeah. Right. That's right. That's right. But I mean, do you have like a favorite watch or a favorite brand personally? Uh, I do. I do. It's actually um, Philip Dufour and okay. Roger Roger Smith, R. Right, w. Right. Smith. So I I resonate with um, Smith's story because right. he went to his sensei, his master. He right. went the first time rejected, second time rejected, and third time <laughs> after after six or seven years, yeah. he was accepted and not as a worker but as a peer. Right. So I think it's um, something that I aspire towards. You know, when I learn from my masters, you know, yeah. get, getting up to the same level, the passion that I show. Yeah, what was that like? I mean, your own story of learning mm-hmm. from a master because I, I know a guy who does shoes. Mm-hmm. I think he went to somewhere in Hungary and he spent like a year begging wow. a, a master to teach him <laughs> yeah. how to, to put these bespoke shoes yeah. together. What was your story there? Not, not that easy. So to locate the schools and to actually enroll, it's, it's very, very tough. Yeah. I wrote to the school in um, Paris so it was oh, Paris, it was, okay. Yeah, it was it was terrible. They didn't want to reply, and then I had to call them, and they know they weren't getting rid of me. So yeah. they sent me a guy that can speak English. So okay. I did e-learning, right. emails back and forth because to enroll in the school, I had to have working command of French, which well, I yeah. don't. So and I can't just learn in Singapore. They they need me to learn French in yeah. France for a year, yeah. which is not feasible. Right. Yeah. So it's it's all very very tough. Mm. Yeah, and self learning has a plateau. So. You know, we always want to find a master that can that can help us and guide us along the because way. Because there has to be a connection. It's like Kung Fu, right? You have yeah. to have a connection with your master. And I can imagine yeah. that must be quite challenging. Just a final question here is, um, where do you see the business going? Do you see yourself expanding beyond just watch straps? Um, so watch straps is actually um, half of our offering. We didn't start doing watch straps. We, we started doing like wallets, um, bags, oh. iPad cases, um, leather goods per se. Because okay. uh, watch strap is only added in afterwards when I got into contact with Hourglass. Mm. Yeah, then they asked me to make some straps and then they referred clients to me and then right. it became 50-50. Yeah. But watch straps still remains your favorite of all the graphs. <laughs> yeah, that's oh, right. That's pretty that's interesting. Right, that's right. Okay, um, so if uh, we wanted to find you, how could we search you up on Instagram? Yeah, or? Instagram. Hughes and Crofter on Instagram. I'm quite inactive, but I do reply to DMs and right. I do reply to WhatsApp and calls. So uh-huh. yeah, please hit me up. All right. I uh, understand your office is quite nearby, so that's I will right. be going. Hughes Low, founder of Hughes Handcrafted in the studio with me. I do appreciate your time. Thank you. Thank you so much. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at audio.sg or download the audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O, audio at the App Store and Google Play.